Dr. J. Strike has been my friend for 40 plus years. He and his wife, Diane, high school sweethearts, have two grown daughters, six grandchildren. And incidentally, this man has spoken to more, listen, college and high school students than anybody else in the world. And that's no exaggeration. Along with Jerry Brock, a member of our church and others, 25 years ago, after Jay had spoken everywhere you can imagine in crusades, etc., they started a university in Orlando, Florida, and they called it Student Leadership University. And as of this moment, there has been over 250,000 graduates. Think about it. They begin their freshman, junior, senior year in high school. And in this university, the kids who go, now 250,000 plus, they are given a biblical worldview that absolutely gives them a foundation for the literally hundreds of professions that they're in all over the United States as well as worldwide. When you start listing people, you know, who has been the most influential people in this generation or that generation? You have to think about Jay Strike and what he has done for the kingdom through these years of service and training and living out God's truth. He's at home here. We're delighted to have him back today. Thank you, God. Man, I want to hear that guy preach. Uh, what a privilege it is to be here. I've been a lot of places on the planet. I want to say to everybody, however you're a part of this service, you have to experience it also in person as soon as you can. There's nowhere like it. And uh, I'm so grateful. If you have your Bible this morning, I know some of us got ours memorized, but if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn with me. And I know it's not going to sound exciting, but I want you to turn to Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. We're going to kind of jump back and forth and my message is entitled, How to Shake Off the Dust. Now, many years ago, I, I wrote a book entitled Shake Off the Dust, and I was talking primarily about making peace with your past. And I dealt with my six broken homes, six foster homes, uh, six detention centers. Uh, the number 666 <laughs> makes me nervous, whether it's in the future or in the past. I mean, you know, something about those three numbers. But I had not gotten off to a good start. I'd been through abandonment and abuse, and, uh, and then, of course, uh, began to make careless, self-destructive uh, decisions and got involved and addicted to some things that I tried to quit 100 times but never could. And when I was 17, I heard a message that was too good to be true, and then I found out it's so true, it's very true, and then... I found out it's too good to keep to yourself. 
you got to talk about it. And the only thing I brought, you know, everybody go, you know, you ever been invited to a party or something and you go, you know, I want to bring something. What can I bring? The only thing I brought to the Lord when I came, the only thing I had to offer was a big mouth. So I've been given a lot of opportunities because I have a, a very big mouth. So as you, as some truths will be self-evident, I'm sure. So I am very, very excited about sharing about, you know, to everyone, shake off the dust, make peace with your past, move on. But I felt led to uh, borrow, even if, even if it was my own title, but how to shake off 2020, how to shake the dirt off and go your mom. No, I'm sorry. And just, I read something the other day, I read a tweet and it was one of the scariest things I could consider. Several, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, a tweet said, oh great, it's Friday the 13th in 2020. I mean, you know, so you put those together, it's, it's, it's a little shaky. Now we've gone through a lot of difficult and disturbing and disruptive and dark times in our own personal lives and in our own past, but we've also gone through those kind of times this year. And we've had to deal with issues that uh, we were not expecting, and we've, been, we've had to re-examine almost everything that we do and where we go and who we're with and away we go. You know all about that. I don't want to dwell on it, but I want to say, and forgive me, I hope it's, it's not uh, troubling to anyone, but I'm ready to shake off the dust. And that's a fascinating term. You know, shake off the dust is used four times in the New Testament. Jesus commanded his followers at certain times to walk out of that town, take your shoes off, and shake off the dust. And if there's certain situations or that you find yourself in or certain route, shake off the dust and move on. Now, that's the equivalent of saying, I wash my hands to 2020. So I want you to know, you're saying I've done all I can do and it's time to put it behind me and move forward. So that's what I want to share. The best message that I, the Lord put on my heart and as I searched the scriptures, what is a great passage or passages that could show us how to biblically and effectively, truly, gen I'm talking about emotionally, I'm talking about spiritually, I'm talking about physically. Is it possible for us to move forward at this time? Now, let me also say simply by way of introduction, these are uncertain, uncertain times with uncertain outcomes. And you're going to have to make some real hard choices. And it begins with whether or not we're going to believe a good report or whether or not we're going to believe a bad report. And there's great consequences, but you have the power of choice. Eventually, all of us have to sit at the table of consequences based on the choices we make. So when I share with you a message that some of you will be familiar with, but maybe for some of us really seeing for the first time, how in the world are we able to discern with all the conflicting and divisive and accusations and everything that keeps going on, is it possible to discern 
That's what I need to believe. And the Bible has a phrase over and over and over again. It's called a good report. I want to be known. You know, a great question, if you've got a pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, anything that'll write, or, or a style, whatever you write it on digitally or however you do it. But I believe, just write, ask yourself the question, what do I want to be known for? What in the world, do, when my life is over, or at this stage of my life, or where I am today, what do I want to be known for? And I, I can tell you, I've given that a lot of thought. I want to be known as someone that Jesus Christ saved and delivered. There's a difference between being saved and there's also the power of deliverance. He is deliverer as well as Savior. I flushed the drugs. I flushed the boot. I didn't have a father. I didn't have a family. didn't have a future. And, uh, you know, was b busted all those times. And I want you to know he is a deliverer. I want to be known as out of the ten lepers that he healed, I want to be the one that comes back and says thank you because I'll be forever grateful for what Jesus did for me. And secondly, I want to be known as someone that uh, is moving forward, but I also want to be known as a guy that's willing to block and tackle for you or my friends or my family or someone who needs help. That I not only want to do well, want my family to do well, but I want all of us to do well. And so you and I have to make up our, our mind. What do we want to be known for? And I pray it's going to be somebody that chooses a deliberate choice. You seal your fate by the choices you make. And you know what that is? A good report versus a bad report. Numbers chapter 14. As you find your way to the book of Numbers, you know Genesis is the book of beginnings. It tells us about creation and the beginning of man, the beginning of, uh, of woman, the beginning of marriage, the beginning of family, the beginning of city. I mean, Genesis tells us how it all started. Exodus, you see the exit signs, case of an emergency. You know where to go for safety. Ex the book of Exodus means to exit. God getting the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery under the most oppressive and at that time most powerful nation in the history of the world. So the book of Exodus is God getting them out of Egypt. And then you have the book of Leviticus. Boy, that's a joy to read through, is it not? I had two books. They said, Jay, read through the Bible, start at the front, end at the back. Two books just about did me in. First one was Leviticus, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. Dietary laws and moons and what days to observe. I mean, I was, uh, you know, plus I'm dyslex dyslexic and ADD. So me and Leviticus had a rough time. But the, they also said the last book of the Bible is where you get your victory. The last book of the Bible. Now, it's hard to understand. There's a lot of symbols. There's a lot of hidden meanings. And... And, you know, sure enough, it, it took me three months to read through the concordance. I mean, that was the last book in my Bible was one of the most, anyway, I'll go into that later. All right. You're saying, man, I'm glad I've come to hear this scholar this morning. I know. All right. I am a Hebrew scholar. I just say with all humility, when you're dyslexic, you have to take the same Hebrew class about six times. So I think I could say with authority 
I've probably been in more Hebrew classes than anyone who's ever been in this pulpit. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right. Numbers is this re amazing, remarkable story and book that tells us how God began to give his people the instructions on what they must do to take possession of the new land that flowed with milk and honey. We're reading in Numbers, and I want to read the best description I could think of that the Lord, I believe I asked the Lord to show me, that would really describe what we've gone through this year and see if you agree. We're going to start at chapter 14, verse 1. And then all of the congregation, now that is a term that's used for the nation of Israel, all of the people lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all through the night. Now in the Hebrew that says they, there was wailing and weeping, groaning and moaning. It was the death of a vision. It was the death of a dream. It was the death of a promise. They'd been told a bad report. You see, God did all those miracles. The Lord himself, what did he do? You remember, he called out Moses and raised up Moses. And then he orchestrated the plagues that would convince Pharaoh that the Lord was the only God. And every one of those plagues in, in the book of Exodus is God pushing those man-made uh, statues of various gods and he literally, with each one of them, it was a push, and it would land in the, on the dirt and on the ground and shatter into pieces. You know, they worshiped Hopi, the goddess of the Nile. Well, the Nile turned to blood. They worshiped Ra, the sun god. He was master of all, and darkness covered. Every single plague was God going, I don't think so. Not in this life. No, I'm, I've looked around. I'm the only one here. And the children of Israel experience not only the power of God, but the mercy of God and the provision of God. And then they made their way. They were granted their freedom. And then all of a sudden, they found themselves trapped. And here came the most powerful nation again in the history of the world up till that time, pursuing them. They couldn't fight or defend themselves. All they had is what they could carry on their backs when they fled Egypt. There they were. And what did God do? He parted the Red Sea. And once they got across, then the Egyptians followed. Then all of a sudden, the waters just, you know, people say, well, it must have been the tides and there must have been a storm. You know, I, I love how people try to explain away the miracles of the Bible. Well, whatever it was, it happened at the right time. And I like those kind of coincidences, don't you? When, when God shows up, and guess what? They've seen all that. And then they come, and God says, I want you to, you know, get the leaders, get 12, one from each ancestral tribe, and send them out to do their homework, to do reconnaissance, to do due diligence, and find out what the land is like. There's not a businessman or businesswoman in this room that would buy a piece of property or start a new business or 
take on a new pursuit or a big invest, whatever. You don't do your homework. And that's what God had the, t- the 12 spies do. Leaders, and by the way, when your leaders lead you astray, then you're in trouble. Ten leaders from ten different tribes came back with a negative, bad report. Only two gave a good report. They even brought proof of the fruit of the land and even declared, and we'll see in a second, a land that flowed with milk and honey. So the children of Israel decided we're going to believe the bad report. So when you read they were weeping, it wasn't just a tear and somebody needed a tissue. No, no. Through the night, they moaned and groaned. It was the death. We, we're out here, and, and we have, you know, we're, we're going to die in the wilderness. So notice it says, and so the sons of Israel, again a term for the people of Israel, it says in my version, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. But you know, in the Hebrew Bible, it says they railed against Moses and Aaron. Listen to what they said. Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we would die even in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this new land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be be plundered. That means they'll be carried off. Our wives and our children and, and only uh, heaven or hell knows what would happen to them. I mean, they, they were now, I mean, they, they had already acted out and seen the whole scenario of gloom and doom because they heard some spies give a bad report and those spies were leaders. And notice what happened. They said it'd be better for us to... And it says, let's appoint a new leader and go back to Egypt, go back to slavery. Moses and Aaron fell on their face in the presence of the assembly of God. So there are days, and you, you see that picture, that description. There are days when our emotions break the backs of our words. Have you ever been left speechless by something? Have you ever gone through something and literally it just knocked the breath out of you? And, and so I, there's also days when the days are so dark that even the darkness begs for light. And there's been all kinds of things in our life that we thought we'll never get through this. And now all of a sudden we've seemed to have a lot of days all strung together where we wonder, what's, where are we headed? What's going on? So simply put, God has said to us through the book of Numbers, Believe a good report. Trust me. So now notice, if you would. Here were the children of Israel turning on Moses, turning on Aaron, and wanting to kill them, and let's get a new leader. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of the assembly of the nation of Israel. But Joshua, he was one of those leaders that went to spy out the land to do due diligence to make sure the land was a good land, that it could take care of them, whether they could sneak up on the people or not, were there walled cities or tents, all the things you want to do before you go to battle, all the things you want to know if you're trying to provide for all those women and children and men 
They had real physical needs. So simply, God as usual laid out the plan. Here's what I want you to do. Make sure, be ready, be prepared for, for what's there. So they came back. The ten said, no way, no way. Absolutely not. It would be a suicide mission. But notice Joshua, and we're going to read, and Caleb stood in front of Moses and Aaron between all those that said, let's kill these guys and get a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. And Joshua and Caleb said, you got to come through us. Now, two men against the entire nation, it wouldn't have been, but I, I love their courage. Notice it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of uh, Japona, and those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes, they ripped their clothes, which showed anguish and heartbreak and, and just total disbelief by how the people were, were turning their back on what God had done so obviously for them. And here's what he said, the land that we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us into this land and give it to us. It is a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our bread. Some versions translate that. They'll be our prey. But I love that King James version where it says they'll be our bread. We've got a lot of athletes in the room, male and female. Some of us, it's been way back in the day when we were athletes, and some of you, you know, are still quite, uh, you know, aggressive and competitive and doing things. And some of us, the older we get, the better we were back then. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but that's a whole other story. But he said, they'll be our bread. You ever heard in a competition going on with you or somebody and, you know, y'all are laying smack down, we're going to eat their lunch. That's what Joshua said. They'll be our bread. If the Lord is pleased with us and we honor him, and by the way, I have to read right now, if I, and please write this verse down. I'm, I promise you, you'll be glad you did. It's in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 6. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. It says, be strong and be resolute and be not in fear or in dread of them, the adversaries. For your Lord God himself marches with you, and he will not forsake you. And ladies and gentlemen, you know what fear is, those big things, the walled cities and the giants in the land. And, and let me just make a, a brief observation. When they said there are giants, the other ten, there are giants there, and there's no way we can go up against them, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, when I first read that, I'm wondering, well, how did they know that? How do they know what the giants were thinking? But they had some, you know, summed it up themselves and simply said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. I'm going, I wondered if they called the psychic hotline, you know? How did they know what the giants were thinking? And by the way, you know, when you call the psychic hotline, they're out of business. Now, shouldn't they have known that before they went in? And sorry, but that's a whole other, whole other story. But I, I, I just simply say, they said we were grasshoppers in their sight, but here's the key, 
and in our own sight. When you forget the mission of God, when you lose your focus, we give in to fear. Those big things. And there's some scary things in life. That medical report. In a, in a career situation. And our families and our children and our parents. and I mean, life has those moments. We know about those times when there's fear. But the Bible says, do not fear, nor be dismayed. Now, what does that word mean? It literally means don't dread a bunch of things that you think might happen. And don't take on all of that, all that emotion and all that pain. Because you're imagining what could possibly happen. You know, in other words, I believe the Bible's saying, whatever you do, don't dwell in the land of the what-ifs. Have you ever done that? That's what dread is. It means to look all around nervously, being dismayed that, oh, well, man, this guy's thinking this, and I can tell that guy doesn't like me, and I can tell uh, this is not going to be a good year. We're not going to make it. And all of a sudden, we get distracted. One of the great lessons from General Schwarzkopf, He said this, the easiest way to be defeated is to be distracted. And that's what the what-ifs are. One of my favorite books when my children were young and now with my grandchildren is a book entitled The Light, A Light in the Attic by Silverstein. It's a whimsical little book. It's an imaginative little book. But I thought of this. This is what I read. Last night while laying here, some what-ifs crawled inside my ear and they pranced and partied all night long and sang their same old what-if song and ladies and gentlemen my prayer is when you leave here today you'll say i'm not gonna let anybody be singing the what-if song in my mind and my heart any longer you know what is that old what-if song what if i get beat up what if there's poison in my cup what if i start to cry What if I get sick and die? What if I flunk the test? And I know the one that, this is the one that keeps me up at night. And what if green hair grows on my chest? (laughs) The land of the what ifs. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, the children of Israel had to make a choice. And Joshua and Caleb gave a good report. And what does Deuteronomy say? It says, the Lord God himself marches with us. So what are we going to do? Are we going to go forward? Are we going to be paralyzed and panic and go backwards? And I believe with all my heart there's unbelievable power in believing the good report. So ladies and gentlemen, I guess the best way to summarize it is I had to make a choice when I was a young man with no future and no real hope and I I didn't have any confidence in myself or anyone else. And I was in a detention center. I was 17. I'd been there for three months. And I should have been. And I was in solitary. And I, I, I should have been. And all I could do was look out a little window about this big. And I looked out one night and it was a full moon. And I'd been in there for months. 
And I was mad at God. One minute I would blame God. I'm ashamed to say, use his name in vain and say, man, you know, God, this, you know, there is no God. And then one, and then the next minute I'm going, God, if you're there, I mean, I was all over the map. And I looked out that window that night and I remember, and this is solitary. Please remember that part. I looked out that window and I said, God, do you even know I'm alive? Do you even exist? Do you even see me? I'm the guy that came in here with real long hair and then they shaved all, you know, I was trying to help the Lord. There's a lot of people around. I was trying to say, you know, I'm the guy that got all his hair hair shaved off and, you know, like that would be a help. But God, do you even exist? Do you even see me? Do you even hear me? Do you even care about what happens to me? And by the way, if you're all that, if you're what some people say, God is this, God can change your life. God, you know, we hear that all the time. God, if you're so good, why is it you haven't ever sent anybody to tell me about your love or or, or about a new life? Three days later, I get released. No explanation. It's late in the day. There's no cell phones back then. I, my mom didn't get home till late at night, and she lived about 30, 40 miles away. And, the, you know, I couldn't page her or text her or any of that. And so I did what any motivated young guy would do. I decided not to go back to school because I didn't want to disrupt my classmates while they were studying, you know, by showing up. So I decided to go to the beach. And while there, I found a surfboard that somebody had left. And I, I borrowed. And uh, I, so I'm on a surfboard, and all of a sudden a guy drives up and he gets out of his car. And he gets on, he gets his board off his car, and he paddles out to me and he said, Jay, he said, You don't know me, but I know you. I'm a couple years older than you, so I, I know, all, I know a, a, quite a bit about you. He said, Jay, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. I, I'm very, very late. I'm, I'm in, I could probably lose my job. I'm so late. And he said, but I was driving over the bridge, and God said, go to turn around and go back to that kid on the surfboard where you were. And he said, Jay, I've never done anything like this. I've ne-, and I, I said, who told you that? And I thought it was Jesus, you know, one of my Spanish. I mean, you know, he, no, Jesus, Jesus told me. Now, right about now, I'm thinking this is doo-doo-doo-doo. I mean, you know, it's a weird kind of story. I'm really wondering about this guy. And, but then he said something that stunned me, and I've never gotten over. He said, Jay, Jesus told me to come tell you he does exist. He sees you, he knows all about you, he hears you, and more importantly, he loves you, he wants you. Several days later, I'm in a Bible study, and I hear a message, and I had to make a choice. Was I going to believe all the negative things? I'd been called stupid and dumb because, you know, my dyslexia, I couldn't read very well, didn't do well in school. I mean, and I'd been called abused, all those things. I had all that. Then I had the what ifs, and my life was just like total confusion. 
And that night I heard the message of Jesus Christ. That if God be for you, who could be against you? And that he loves you, he's got a plan for you. And that night I bowed my head and I closed my eyes and the young man explained that God was a prayer away. And he explained the death of Jesus, those nails being driven through his hand. And I knew it was my sin that put him on that cross. And then he said, but he rose again and he's alive. And if you would not be ashamed of him and you'd be willing to stand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus, that he would come into your life. And then the guy leading the Bible study just simply used a phrase, you know, he sees you tonight. And I did what most people do when they're new at a spiritual thing, when every head bowed and every eye closed, I peeked. And the guy's looking right at me. He sees you. I don't know if that many saw me peeking or I, I, I don't know. But I just want you to know that night I made a choice. I'd heard good news. God loved me. God wanted me. God would change me. There was a new life. Old things could pass away. All things could become new. People there spoke how God had delivered them from alcohol and drugs and their temper and this and that. And all of a sudden, I saw a path. God gave me a choice. And that night, I stood. And I'm forever grateful there was a God who saw me, who loved me, who cared for me, and who wanted even me and i promise you today we're gonna pray and i promise you you know what he wants he wants you to build a manger in your heart let jesus be born in you and i promise you this is the beginning of a brand new life